0: Rav uh, Tversky <coughs> spoke about the significance uh, of Eretz Yisrael in Jewish thought. In Halacha and hashkafa. I'd like to speak a little bit about the significance of the Medina, Medina Israel. Yisrael. Um, this season of the year we celebrate Yom Ratz Marut, those of us who are celebrating, and uh, we feel that there's something to celebrate about. And it's not just like celebrating a birthday party. That's not uh, no shyless about that. Celebrating uh, hakam Samdina is also something significant, uh, as Rav Briskin mentioned earlier. Both according to the Rambam and according to the Ramban, this is considered one of the 613 mitzvahs to establish a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael. The issue that the Ramban raised had that the Ramam forgot to count the mitzvah. That's the mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael. But the mitzvah to establish a Jewish government, the Ramam did count that. The Ramam quotes the passage from the Talmud, the Marnas Sanhedrin. The Ramam quotes it both in the Sefer mitzvahs as well as in the Mishnah and the Yadah where the Talmud makes a clear-cut statement that we have three mitzvahs that have to be fulfilled in a specific order. The first mitzvah is to establish a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael second mitzvah is to wipe out the nation of Amalek and the third mitzvah is to build a base on if there is such a mitzvah to establish a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael so obviously God who created this world feels that that's a more perfect world if Eretz Yisrael is under Jewish control, if you have a Jewish government controlling Eretz Yisrael, the prophet Yirmiyor and Peregimel Speaks about Lo The day will come that Yerushalayim Alpidin, which is the capital of Eretz Yisrael, will be known as Kisei Hashem, the throne of God. Officially, when you have a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael, the Jewish government only represents Hakadosh Baruch. We consider it as if Hakadosh Baruch is the is the real ultimate Melech in Eretz Yisrael. and that's the significance of having a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael. In fact, it's very interesting. The first Lebavitcher Rebbe, known as the Balatanya, he authored the book on Jewish philosophy, the Tanya writes in one of his uh, droshes, that uh, we know that during the period of the Second Temple, the Tanoi made many, many gzeris the Rabbanon. He writes, we all know that when Rosh Hashanah falls down on Shabbos, you don't blow shafer and when Sukkot falls down on Shabbos, you don't shake a lulub, and so on and so forth. He says, well, all of these gzeris were introduced during the period of the Second Temple. How come they didn't introduce all of these gzeris earlier? In the days of uh, Shleim HaMelech, they weren't afraid that the people may carry on Shabbos, but the people were big at tzaddikim. How come only during the period of the second temple they were concerned that there may be fiddle Shabbos and so many more of the gzeris. He says, we know that all these gzeris were introduced later. So he has a phenomenal statement. He says, during the period of the first temple there was a Jewish government in Eretz Israel. How Gebaldic the Jewish government was like the Jewish government today. <laughs> it wasn't so gewaldic. forced all the people to worship Abed He worshiped... They were all uh, knapped tzaddikim. I think the government in Eretz today is uh, much better than uh, than all of those governments uh, in the days of the Tanakh. All of the Abed most of them. <laughs> Malachi Yehuda were pretty good. Malachi Yehuda, they were all terrible. They were all terrible. So, the Balatanya writes, during the period of the first temple, there was a Jewish government in Eretz, Eretz- Israel that officially represented HaKadosh Baruch Hu. How they the Abed it doesn't matter. They officially represented HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the Sahara had less of a sleep than the Jewish people to be martial than to do averus. But during the period of the Second Temple, I don't know what his sources are, must be in Kabbalistic uh, writings. He says during the period of the Second Temple, because there was no Jewish government till the days of the Hashmonaim, and even then it was still under the under uh, control of the of the Greeks uh, partially. So, during the period of the Second Temple, because of the lack of a Jewish government, that's why the Sahara had more of a control, more of a shlita over B'nai Yisrael, and that's why there was a need for more and more gzeris, and that's why all of these gzeris were introduced during the period of the Second Temple. Whatever the explanation is, if HaKadosh Baruch commended this as a mitzvah, that we should establish a Jewish government in HaRitz Yisrael, obviously HaKadosh Baruch created the whole world, the whole Bria, feels that this is a more perfect state of affairs, when Eretz Yisrael is under Jewish control, and even the mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael, which the Talmud emphasizes so much, and praises so much, so the, uh, many of the post can point out, Lamaiseh, that the mitzvah is enhanced, the mitzvah is being fulfilled, musay, when one lives in Eretz Yisrael, which is under Jewish control, all throughout all the generations, since the destruction of the second temple, until the Hakom HaMedina, there were tzaddikim, there were Jews who always lived in Eretz Yisrael, who strived to move from Europe, from all over the world, to move to live in Eretz Yisrael, but the fulfillment of the mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael is always incomplete. The Pasek says, we reach the most of Yishaftonbo, you should control the government in Eretz Yisrael, and then you should live there in Eretz Yisrael. If you live in Eretz Yisrael, but it's not under Jewish control, it's an incomplete mitzvah. The fact that you have a Jewish government completes the mitzvah, completes the significance of Eretz Yisrael, and completes the mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael. What is this idea that... uh, the halacha signifies the halacha singles out the importance of a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael. The Gemara in the beginning of Rosh Hashanah says the halacha recognizes two types of governments. There's a Malchus Yisrael, and there's a Malchus Ulmasayilim. There's a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael, and then there's a secular government anywhere in the world. Let's say uh, the president of the United States would be Jewish if the Queen of England claims to be a descendant from the Malchus based David. Just because she, even if it were true that she's Jewish, that doesn't make uh, England into Malchus Yisrael. Malchus Yisrael means if you have a Jewish king ruling over Eretz Yisrael with the attitude, with, uh, with the policy that this is a Jewish government and therefore something is going to be different. That's why you have a law of return or something. something. That's why you have kashvis and the army. That's why you have something because this is a Jewish government. So a Jewish government has one status. Malchus, he saw if you have a Jewish government, that's one thing. Then if you have Malchus and Masaylo, the halacha recognizes other kingdoms, other governments as well. And then there's a third category of a bunch of pirates. That's another thing. If you have people who are running the country, they're not recognized as an official government. So the halacha does not consider any activity that they do as a, as a representative of a government. The says, let's say, that coins that are minted by a government have the halachic status of money coins that are minted by a bunch of pirates are not considered uh, that's what it says in Chosh Mishpat Shach and Yeridei and Hilchas Riddus in Chosh we say to what extent that we apply the principle of Dina is a big question but one halacha is certainly clear that it's only considered kesif as opposed to Shove Kesif if the money is sponsored by a government if it's sponsored by pirates it's not considered money so the halacha recognizes two types of governments a Jewish government and a secular government what is the difference that's mentioned in the beginning of Masechus Rosh Hashanah? So the Mishnah says that when uh, years ago the practice used to be that they wouldn't write how many years it is since Yoshka uh, was born, or they wouldn't write how many years it is since the Debris HaElob. They would write how many years it is since Hakamah HaMedina, of whatever particular country you live in. They would write, let's say, uh, since the establishment of the United States of America in 1776. So they were writing the documents... How many years it is since HaKamiz HaMedina of America? If you live in England, how many years it is since HaKamiz HaMedina? Because the governments used to be mockbit about this. The governments used to insist that they should incorporate in all significant documents how many years it is since the established of the government. So the HaKamim and the Mishnah said you have to go along with the insistence of the government. So how do you determine, let's say, if the government in the United States was established July 4th, 1776. So when do we write that it's the second year since al Medina? When do we write that it's the third year? When do we write that it's the uh, 240th year? Whatever we're holding by uh, now since 1776. You change your date when it comes July 4th so the Mishnah says no, that's not correct. You don't. It doesn't depend on each and every individual country when that Medina began. There's a cutoff point, there's a Rosh Hashanah for governments when it comes that day even though the American government was established July 4th, 1776, you don't have to wait till 1777, July 4th, to be considered Shana Shnia, the second year since Hakama Samadina in America. When it comes Rosh Hashanah, Lamal Yom and the Gemara says, When is that? Echad B'Tishre, when it comes to Rosh Hashanah. When it comes, uh, whatever, September of that year, after July, August, September, just uh, three months later, is already considered Shana Shnia or Hakama Samadina. But if it's a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael that's considered a Malchus Yisrael let's say the government was established on Hey Year let's say for argument's sake so you don't wait till next year Hey Year to say this is Shana Shnia. and you don't say when it comes to Rosh Hashanah Echid Shana Shnia. the Mishnah tells us when it comes to Benissen when it comes to Rosh Chodesh Nissen that's already considered Shana of for Hakomas Samdina. the beginning of the new year is from Rosh Chodesh Nissen why so? this is just a Minig Kach no this was a convention that was accepted in the days of the Tanoim. So the Ran in his commentary on the Rif quotes from the Ramban. The Ramban HaChumash has this. He says, no, this is not some conventional practice. This is a mitzvah. The mitzvah is HaChodesh Azalachem, Rosh Jewish history begins with Chodesh Nissen. And world history begins with Chodesh Tishrei. What exactly does that mean? So the Nitziv, in his commentary on Chumash, on Parashas Bo, on that post, HaChodesh HaZalachem, explains it as follows. He says, when the Rabbani Shalom created the world and in made Mabreshis, he established all the principles of Teba. He established the principles of chemistry and physics and mathematics and biology and medicine, all the rules and regulations which govern the whole world, including the rules of history. There are rules and regulations of history. And if a person, just like in chemistry, there are rules and regulations. And if you mix two chemicals together, if you know chemistry, you will be able to predict in advance. What the reaction will be? What the result will it cause? An explosion? Will the color change? Will it stay the same? Two things that are sour will all of a sudden become sweet. You can predict in advance if you understand chemistry. So too, if a person understands history, well, he knows all the rules and regulations, and there are rules and regulations of history that were instituted and in sheishes may So if a person understands history, well, he can predict the rise and fall of any given country. It's a plain uh, <laughs> like mixing two chemicals. It's a reaction. If you know all the facts, if a person understands all the facts, he can predict in advance what's going to happen. That's because the history of the Umas was created in the Sheishis Me'breshis and it's a, the rules and regulations of history are part of Teva. So the Rosh Hashanah for Malchi Umas the Rosh Hashanah for world history is Echid b'tishrei. Echid b'tishrei was at the end of the Sheishis Me'breshis. Ademarishim was created on Echid b'tishrei. That's this, the first five days of the Sheish Ismei are prehistoric because there was nobody there. Not a Mauritian is the first day of recorded history. That's when there was somebody there to see what was going on. So Echid B'tishra is considered the Rosh Hashanah for all of Teva. So all of world history revolves about the Chukah HaTeva of history that were created, that were instituted in those Sheish Ismei And Jewish history on the other hand is L'maylam in HaTeva. Kodesh Brochu told B'nei Yisrael the month of Nissan is the month of Nisim, Benisim Nigolu, Benisim Nissan, Lehi Nisin represents a different Hog of Lamaila Minateva that uh, you can't really predict in advance what's going to happen in Jewish history. I remember Rav Soloveitchik was once giving a drosha. So I remember one line in the drosha on this topic. So he mentioned that if one, to draw, one were to draw a chart of Jewish history, he wouldn't be able to draw a chart that goes up and down. The rise and fall of the Jewish people. It would be zigzag. It would go up and down, up and down, up and down. Why so? So the Tanakh, the Chumash tells us. And the Ramban points out several times, whoever doesn't believe in this principle of Chumash is lacking the ABCs of the Jewish religion. That the success of the Jewish people depends on their observance of mitzvahs. And their failure and their kishalon depends on their violation of Haverus. The Ramban writes in Chumash. Does it make sense that because the Jewish people living in Eretz Yisrael violate the laws of Shemitah, the seventh year, the sabbatical year, they shall lose their rights there. So they should be sent into Golos. Does that correspond to anything living or dead that we understand in world history? Of course not. The whole history of the Jewish people is when we keep, them, when we keep the Rebbe Shalom's mitzvahs he, he promises us the brachas and kolos all depend. If we keep the mitzvahs there's going to be schar and if you violate Averis uh, there'll be an Einish. So the history of the Jewish people wouldn't be drawn on a chart as a rise and a fall it would be zigzag up and down, up and down depending on those periods in history when we kept the mitzvahs and those periods in history when we violated our veris it's a different Hanhaget that's why we say that the Rosh Hashanah L'malcha Yisrael is Echad Jewish history begins with Rosh Chodesh Nitzim. it's a different kind of history so the Allah says there is a special status given to a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael It's considered a more perfect state of existence of the Bria when you have a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael it's considered something more important what constitutes exactly a Jewish government in Eretz Israel that uh, that's considered the fulfillment of this mitzvah? One can argue the point. Look, uh, many of the founders of the Medina were clearly anti-religious. And what they had in mind by establishing Medina was that this would replace the Jewish religion. We would finally be able to throw out that old religion and have uh, Zionism as a replacement for the religions. So, many religious Zionists went along with the anti-religious and they established a Medina. As history has turned out, it, ter- it happens that the uh, plan of the anti-religious to establish a Medina that would replace the religion, we would throw it out, didn't, come, didn't turn out like that. They, unfortunately, in Eretz Yisrael, many religious Jews were turned off from religion over the years, but in the end result, more people were brought to religion, more people were brought to Torah and to Shmiras than people who were turned away. So what exactly, uh, how do you determine whether the government in Eretz is considered a Jewish government or considered a secular government? Just because they happen to be Jewish people, that constitutes a Jewish government. So the Talmud discusses that also in the beginning of Rosh Hashanah. Talmud comments on the Tsukim and Ksuvim. There was a biblical figure by the name of Artach Shasta who appears in the beginning of Sefer and Achemyon. This character, Atach Shasta, was his son, according to the first comment that Rashi makes on the book of Nehemiah, Atach Shasta was a son of Esther HaMalka. On Purim, we read the Megillah, you know, in uh, 45 minutes. We read it quickly, we think that that's the end of the story. Finished, 45 minutes, the end of the story. No. The Pasik says that after the, after the whole story of Purim was over, and they lived happily ever after, by Yolot Esther, the poor girl, the Jewish girl, had to live with Achashverosh for the rest of her life. And she had she had a lot of children with the goy. and they had no Jewish education whatsoever. They barely knew, they they hardly knew that they were Jewish at all. So after the old man died, Ahashverish was the king of a hundred and, 127 medinas. After the old man died, so his son took over. Atachshasta, Atachshasta happened by a fluke of uh, of uh, coincidences, it happened to be Jewish, because his mother was Jewish and he happened to be the king over Eretz Yisrael in the middle of the 127 Medinas Europe and Asia and Africa it happened that Eretz Yisrael was right in the middle so the Gemara discusses does, that, does the fact that our Tachshasta happened to be Jewish and the fact that he happened to rule over Eretz Yisrael does that constitute Malchus Yisrael because it happens that there is a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael and they say no, what kind of Malchus Yisrael? He uh, by a by a fluke of uh, f- by a, by a fluke of history he happened to be Jewish, but that's not called the Jewish government. So the Gemara points out there seems to be contradictions between the various psukim and ksuvim whether his government whether it's considered a new year when it comes Echad or it's considered a new year when it comes Echad Benitzen. So which is it? Is the government of our considered Malchus Israel or is it considered Malchus Umazalim? So the Gemara gives the following explanation. The Gemara says Kodim Shehechmitz Versus Lacha Shehechmitz This Artak Shasta Was never an orthodox Jew He wasn't even a reformed Jew He had no sheikhs With anything With anything But the Psukim say That his mother Apparently told him That's how the Malbim interprets The Psukim Lechem the mother Esther Amalka Told him Look King Allah You're Jewish And you have to support The building of the Yerushalayim And the rebuilding Of the Beis Hamvigdash So he supported So he gave money for that He himself uh, Had no sheikhs But Yiddish But he had A psa- sheikhs Something he had no shaykhs but shmiris mitzvahs, but he was told he was Jewish and he has to help out a little bit So a that the hashpuv of the mother was still there and it, was, and, he, and it meant something to him he is a Jewish king over Eretz Yisrael. what did it mean? not too much not too much but he considered he was proud of the fact that he is the Jewish king ruling over the Jewish country Eretz Yisrael. so then the Gemara says even though there was no Shabbos kash v'tares and he didn't go to shul Shani Yom Kippur for sure not he had no sheikhs, was That's called the Jewish government in Eretz But La'achas Shehechim after the mother passed away, and he had no one to encourage him to do anything. And this whole awareness wore off, and then he was just a secular ruler. He was the king of 127 medinas, and it's just an accident of fate that he happened to be Jewish, and it happened to be that Eretz was in the middle of all of his 127 medinas. So the says La'achas Shehechim after it no longer meant anything to him. He no longer had an attitude that it's of significance. He had no policies at all that indicated that it's uh, anything unique, about, anything special about the fact that he's a Jewish king ruling over Eretz Yisrael. So then his government ceased to maintain the status of Malchus Yisrael. It was lowered down to the level of Malchus al and it was treated as such. The halacha changed then that the Rosh Hashanah will be from Mechad Betishri instead of being from Mechad The government in Eretz Yisrael Orthodox Jews can't understand what all all. there. How can it be a secular Jew who doesn't go to shul or doesn't keep any mitzvah, doesn't believe in anything? So what does he understand by a Jewish government? We can't understand. But somehow in their minds and me sound like our Tachshasta whatever it means we'll never know. But it does mean something to them. Officially the government in Eretz soil is a Jewish government and it's a Jewish country whatever that means. So whatever that means go that it's a Jewish country that Russia was tumbling for so many years and all the Arabs are fighting. What are they fighting about? If it would be a secular country, they wouldn't, uh, there wouldn't be such mechlekes. So obviously, the perception in the outside world is that it's a Jewish country. Otherwise, they wouldn't evoke so much anti-Semitism. So obviously, it's considered a Jewish country. So this is considered Amalchus Israel. And that's, the, that's what the Torah considers the perfect state of affairs. More perfect would be if it would be a religious government, Fash More perfect would be if it should be a the and Amalchus Beis it? But in, uh, at least we're on the way. towards at least it's considered a Malkhus Israel governing in Eretz Israel. And not only, not only does Eretz Israel have a very significant place in Jewish thought and halacha, Medina Israel. The fact that the Malchus Israel in Eretz Israel also plays an important role. What exactly are we celebrating? We're celebrating the birthday of Medina Israel that's not a Shilon halacha. you can have a birthday party that's not an issue what uh, the halacha says if a community uh, had a Yeshua if there was an Eszor and a community had a Yeshua so there's no problem they're permitted to celebrate every year on the anniversary of that uh, Yeshua it's a, it's a proper thing to do why not? Even a private person, let's say, a person had a had a sakana, a person was almost uh, was in the, his life was in danger, and he was mitzal. So take the labavisha, they always have a bafriings yontif every every couple of weeks. There's another yontif. When this rabbi came out of prison, why not? That's very nice, and they celebrated. There's nothing wrong. We give thanks. They give Thanksgiving to the Rebbeinu So to celebrate Yamatzmo, to thank the Rebbeinu that he gave us a matona that's marvelous. No shaili. only shaili is. There is a Shiloh. There is a Shiloh. You see, when the Lubavitcher Hasidim celebrate the Bafrayim's that the Rebbe was free from prison, the other Jews in the world don't celebrate. The Satman Hasidim are not celebrating. And the Misnagrim are not celebrating. It's only the Lubavitcher. And in and, and Frankfurt, when they were celebrating that they had a Yeshua every year, the Shani, whenever whenever there's an Shani, they celebrated. They're, they're, uh are in Frankfurt. The rest of the Jews in the world were not celebrating. But if you have a holiday that's celebrated by all the Jews all over the world this is a Shiloh in Halacha is it permissible to celebrate to have all the Jews all over the world celebrate it looks like a Yontif if you have everybody celebrating it looks like a Yontif and the Gemara seems to imply that there is a Shiloh of one is not permitted to celebrate I can celebrate my wedding anniversary yeah I'll celebrate the members of my family I can celebrate my birthday party fine That's because the whole world is not celebrating with me. But if everybody, if all the Jews all over the world are celebrating together, even though maybe you have a small fringe group of the Nitori Kaita who are saying Kinnis, they're not celebrating, but that doesn't, uh, it's less than a hundredth of a percent. I mean, (laughs) less than a million of Mishigoyim. The rest of the Jews all over the world are celebrating. So it is a Shiloh. The Gemara says there is a Shiloh. If you celebrate it as a yontif, the shad is what constitutes celebrating as a yontif. So the Chasam discusses this. So unlike Boemer, we also celebrate. How exactly do we celebrate like Boimer in America? So the Chasam writes, in Europe they celebrate like Boemer by just deleting tachnun. They left out tachnun. That's all. So the says that's not called celebrating. Leaving out tachnun. By they leave out tachnun every month they can They leave out tachnun more more than they say tachnun. Why do they leave out so much? That's also a halachic issue. The Ramam's opinion seems to be that there's an obligation to recite Tachna. At the conclusion of Shachas, at the conclusion of Mincha, you're obligated to say Tachna. And the Ramam's, uh, uh, and Yant, unless and you have cause not to say tachna. The Ramam's opinion is not accepted. In the Tour. the Torah quotes in the name of the Goinim, and that's what we assume, that the reciting of Tachna is really optional. It's not really obligatory. By now, it's obligatory because the minig is for so many centuries that we have been reciting Tachnum. So we have cho- has chosen to recite Tachnum. But strictly speaking, according to Allah, it's not really an obligation to recite Tachnum. So that's why our practices, we assume that just deleting Tachnum on Lag doesn't designate the day as a yontif, even though all the Jews all over the world uh, are deleting Tachnum, that's an ishkin yantith. But the Chassam social writes, what is a problem is... Uh, he heard that in Meiron they celebrate, they make bonfires and dancing and singing and celebration, and they give off the children from school. So that's a problem. That's a problem. It wouldn't be such a problem if it would just be the people in one city would celebrate, but if all over the world they're not saying Tachnon, and the Labavitch are having a march, they're having a parade on Lagbayma, and the other schools they give off, and the others they give an outing, so everybody all over the world is celebrating a little more than just deleting the Tachnon. They just made a yantav, epsiyesh meyayin. So what's this yantav of Lagbayma is problematic. So the Hassan slave writes, in one shuvah he writes, later we change his mind, a later shuvah, but in the first shuvah he writes, if they would listen to me, I would abolish the celebration of Lagbayma the way it's presently celebrated in Meiron and so on. He would just lower it down to the level of deleting of Tachnun, and no more, because more than that, the already constitutes uh, Shaila you're making the day into a Yontif and you have no right to make an additional Yontif to make a, a, a religious holiday it's not Stama birthday party it's not a wedding anniversary to make a religious observance out of it as if there's some kind of religious celebration that is a question so that's the question regarding the fact that so many Jews all over the world celebrate Yom HaTznuot if you're just going to delete Tachna, that's not a problem just like Lagbarna like is not a problem but if people want to celebrate Yom by doing something much more than that, to give the day more uh, significance than that, then you're making it into a Yantaf. So that's already a question. Why is this permissible? Why isn't this a violation of Baal Taisif? That uh, this should be a problem. So the answer appears in the Talmud. The Talmud has a long discussion of this in Maseches Rosh Hashanah during the period of the Second Temple. The rabbis used to institute many, many Yomim Toivim. And on these Yomim they didn't say Tachnon, and they had much more than that. They had much more than the observance, the negative observance are not saying Tachnon, and not delivering any Haspatim, and so on. So the Talmud discusses but right that the rabbis have to institute all of these Yomim this should pose a problem of taisif. That's how the Hassan Sofer quotes the Pichodosh, who understands that that was the issue that was discussed in the Gemara. So what's Taka the solution? So the Talmud says whenever the institution of the Yontif by the rabbis constitutes a fulfillment of a mitzvah on the level of their eyes that biblically you are fulfilling a mitzvah you are not, obli- not obligated to observe the day as a Yontif the Torah doesn't require of you but if you were to volunteer on your own to observe this day as a Yontif there is some biblical fulfillment here if there is a kiyama mitzvah then you can't label this as an act of baltayzif So the Gemara says that on all of those yamim Toivim, there was a fulfillment of a mitzvah menator. One wasn't obligated to, but there was a mitzvah menator. Which mitzvah is that? So the Talmud explains as follows. The Ramban writes on Chumash, this seems to be the background of the explanation that appears in the Gemara. Ramban writes on Chumash, in the end the parashat's not so, and he repeats this in the Sefer mitzvahs as well, that one of the 613 mitzvahs, we're not sure exactly which are the 613 mitzvahs, Rabban claims that one of the 613 mitzvahs is the following that whenever you happen to build a base on we haven't built so many Batamigdosh, whenever you build a base on you're obligated to celebrate on the occasion to demonstrate that something important has been accomplished in the world. Many of the later parts can say that the same is true regarding building a shul or building a yeshiva, because all yeshivas and all Batikinesias and Batamigdosh have the status of Migdosh Mayat on the level of their raises. So also there's a mitzvah a Torah to have a sep- special celebration of a Hanukkah sabbayis, of the Ganesis, of on the occasion that they are built. What happens if you'll decide to celebrate every year in commemoration, on the anniversary of the completion of the shul, or on the, anniversary, on the anniversary of the completion of the Beis Amikdosh, in commemoration of the completion of the shul, or the Beis Amikdosh. So this is not biblically required. The biblical mitzvah only applies on the occasion of the completion of the Beis Amikdosh, but... If one were to celebrate every year in commemoration on the anniversary, that would be a Kiyom mitzvah So the Talmud explains that's what all of the Yom Tevim HaMigil, and were all about. They all revolved about the second Beis HaMigdush. The building of the second Beis HaMigdush. The defending of the second Beis HaMigdush. Every time the Chashmonaim had a victory in battle, they made a yontif. What was the yontif? Because they had a victory in battle because they won the war. No, that's, you don't make a yontif. You thank the Yomtev HaMigdush. throw a party. Make a sudur but you don't make a yontif. Why did they make a yontif? Because when they were victorious, they saved the Beis Hamikdash from utter destruction. If they would have lost the war, the enemy would have destroyed the Beis Hamikdash. So they preserved the Beis Hamikdash. So that was a yontif. All of the yamim that are listed in the book, in the Megillah Steiner's book, all revolve about donations to the Beis Hamikdash, improvement of the sacrifices, improvement of the institution of the High Priesthood, improvement of the institution of the Sanhedrin which is located in the Beis HaMikdosh as well, they all have to do with building the Beis Migdosh, retaining the Beis HaMikdosh, protecting it from being destroyed, and improvement of all of the institutions of the Beis HaMikdosh. So even though it's not obligatory to celebrate on all these occasions, but if you would volunteer to do this, this would be a Kiyumah Mitzvah, Mitzvah Kiyumis. So that's why the rabbis didn't feel that this was to be viewed as a violation of Balthasif. You're not adding on anything to what it says in the Torah. The truth of the matter is that according to the Talmud, the establishment of the Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael, as much as we're not so thrilled about the the Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael, years ago was even more problematic in 1948. In the early years it was even weaker. Now the religious parties have a little more of a say in the government. More religious people in Eretz Yisrael now. A higher percentage of religious people. But as much as we are uh, not so thrilled about the religious um, attitudes of the people running the government, but still, the Talmud tells us that the building of the Beis Hamikdush will be done in a certain order and a certain process. First, the Talmud tells us we have to fulfill the mitzvah of establishing the Jewish government in Eretz Israel. After that we have to proceed in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Nechias HaMolek, wiping out the nation of Amalek, And only after that can we begin to build the Beis HaMikdush. So this, according to Allah, this is considered ge'ula. We all pray for the ge'ula. We pray in Yiddish and in Hebrew, kum in the ge'ula. we are mispal to HaKodesh Boch, he should bring the ge'ula. What exactly is the ge'ula? So the Ramban writes in his introduction to the book of Shmos, the ge'ula means the building of the Beis Amigdosh. Ramban writes that the book of Shmos is all about the first godless of the Jewish people and the Gulah. The first godless was the going down to Mitzrayim, and the Geula, one would have thought this, the returning back to Eretz Yisrael. So he says, wrong. They don't return to Eretz Yisrael till after the death of Moshe Rabbeinu, till after the Hachimish is all over, till you get him to Sefer Yoshua. So why is the book of Shmos considered the Sefer HaGullus about BaHagula HaHimeno? So Ramban writes Geula means the building of the base Hamikdash the book of Shmos ends with the fourth cedris Tumat Titzab of which describe the building of the base Hamikdash that's the Geula that's the real Geula so the Talmud has a term which was not invented by Rabbi Cook Chief Rabbi Cook the Talmud has an expression Aschaltah the Geula the beginning of the Geula how do you know what the beginning of the gula is? If you know what the end of the gula is, then you can figure out what's the beginning of the gula. If the end of the gula means the building of the Beis Amigdash, so the beginning of the gula means anything which is going to lead up to the building of the Beis Amigdash. So what is going to lead up to the building of the Beis Amigdash? So the Talmud tells us you have to fulfill the three mitzvahs in this order. First, establish a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael, then wipe out Amalek, and then you build the Beis Amigdash. So establishing a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael is a prerequisite that's what it sounds like as a prerequisite to building a base on Migdosh. And the Nesivis writes in his commentary on the Megillah Esther that the rabbis originally wanted to institute the holiday of Purim as a full fledged holiday. The Talmud tells us with an isam alocha. Why did they think that they wanted to make? And then later on they changed the plans. The Gemara says they decided not to have an isam alocha. Why did they originally want to have a full fledged holiday? So the Nesivis writes in his commentary on Megillah Megillah Storm on Megillah Esther. He says, the rabbi saw Mechia Samolek, so they saw, oh, this is Aschaltadigulah. is a mitzvah, is a step toward the building of the Beis Amigdush. So they felt this was probably going to lead up to the Beis Amigdush, in which case they have a right to establish a right, and the proper thing is to establish a yontif Not only do you establish, uh, not only do you celebrate, and celebrate every year in commemoration of that uh, occasion, on the actual occasion of the building of the Beis Hamigdush, even in anticipation of the building of the Beis Hamigdush, whatever is a step toward the building of the Beis Hamigdush constitutes an Aschalta of the Gula and there is is cause to celebrate for that as well. So the Nesivas writes in his commentary, he claims the rabbis were mistaken. He says originally they thought that the Mechiyah Samalek was going to lead up, Mechiyah Samalek on the occasion of Nespurim was going to lead up to the building of the next of the second temple. And, then, and they instituted Purim as a full-blown holiday. And then later Rama, when they felt that's how he described it, they realized that they made a mistake, so they took off that part of Purim, so it shouldn't be a violation of Baltasin. So that's why there's no reason for Allah. But the Nesivah says, you have a right to establish a yontif, a full yontif, if you think it's an Aschal Tudugula. And it may turn out later on in history that you're wrong. But he says, if you think it is, then that also constitutes an Aschal Tudugula. That's That's what is assumed. At the occasion of ha- now so many people are dancing to the tune of the Natura Karta. But in 1948, they had hundreds of rabbanim and eretz Yisro, all the famous rabbanim, Rab Shlomo Zalman Neuberch, all the famous things. They all said that the Hakama Samdina was an Aschalta Degula. They printed it in the newspapers. They all signed the statement that they feel that this is an Aschalta Degula. It wasn't. A, it's not a kabbalistic term. It's not. A, you don't have to know Sisri Torah to know. It's a halachic concept. If gula means building the building of the base and you establish a Jewish Medina in Eretz Isser. So, uh, one, two, three. The, the, those are the three mitzvahs that go in order. That's called the naskhat of the gula. And that's cause to celebrate. In addition to that cause to celebrate, we certainly have cause to celebrate look we know that it was a wonderful thing the rabbin Shalom gave them at that time 1948 that's where all the displaced Jews in the, in the camps in Europe that's where they went there was a triyasa mason for the Jews in Europe but the question is to celebrate that's like a birthday party that's like a wedding anniversary if you want to celebrate with uh, all of Klal Yisrael together by doing much more as we all do much more than just the there is a halachic problem you have to look for other reasons, other explanations as to what, in addition to the fact that the Medina, Hakam Samdina, saved so many Jewish lives in 1948 and for years after so many Jews ran away terrorized on their lives were saved. But uh, halachically, if you want to celebrate as a yantav, you have to be celebrating something much more than that, otherwise you'll be in violation of Alpaet. So the one thing that we are celebrating is the fact that it's an aschalta de Gula. That is a legitimate cause for establishing a Yantav and celebrating. Another legitimate, significant point which we should not forget is in the years before Hakamas HaMedina, the level of learning in America was very schwach. And after the Medina was established, and all of the people know, all the Zionistically inclined parents, all the religious parents know you have to send your boys and your girls and children to Israel. So the level of learning and the level of religious observance of the children is much greater than it ever was before. When they come back to America, they made the level of learning in the yeshivas in America much higher. We have more people learning in the yeshivas and learning more hours in the day and observing more mitzvahs and they got the parents to be more observant. And this is all due to, the, to what's going on in Eretz the fact that we identify with Eretz After the Second World War, there's so many Jews were afraid to identify themselves as Jews. They would. Many Jews were afraid to perform a Bismillah on their children. They're afraid they would be able to be identified as Jews. Khalida, There shouldn't be another Holocaust. They were hiding the fact, and many of the many of the children are now discovering that they're Jewish. They didn't know for over 50 years that they were Jewish. Many of their parents are still afraid to, to let their children know. So, but after the Hakama Samadina, there was a much greater awareness. On the part of the Jewish people that they are Jewish, people were not embarrassed as they were before to let anyone know that they're Jewish. People were not embarrassed to learn. More people are learning Torah now. So the Talmud tells us that this is sufficient reason to celebrate. You have to celebrate, the Gemara says, however one holds you have to celebrate on Pesach and Is that's a dispute in the days of the Tannaim between Rabbi and Rabbi Yeshua. So you have to have elaborate meals. Is it necessary to eat a lot? or can you choose to decide to daven all day and learn all day and make it kula Hashem but on shavuot the everybody agrees that you have to have on the occasion of Kabbalah HaTorah when you receive the Torah and when you, when you receive the Mitzvahs, when you Kabbalah the Mitzvahs so for sure you have to celebrate in a very special fashion so the Hakam HaMedina was in a certain sense a tremendous Kabbalah HaTorah For the entire Jewish people, all the Jews who were Orthodox, we weren't so Orthodox years ago. We weren't learning as much as we should have been learning. We're still not. We weren't keeping mitzvahs as much as well as we should be. We should even keep the mitzvahs even better than we're doing now. But the establishment of the Dina is what improved everything. Improved the learning all over the world and improved the Shmiras and mitzvahs and improved the awareness of, of the Jewishness of all of the people all over the world so the Talmud says that is a special cause for celebration just like on Shavuot Yom Shemitim HaTorah on the occasion of Kabbalah Saterah you have to celebrate and this is what we are celebrating about we have a lot to celebrate I remember years ago Rabbi, Rabbi Gift they told us that um, there was once a Torah HaTorah conference on Yom HaTzmaut so they daven chakras together and then after davening everybody turned to him all the eyes turned to him I don't know whether they should say halal or not what does he say should they say halal so, he had to give an ex, had to say something. So, he says, whether you say hal or you don't say hal, everybody agrees we have to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the Matana ta'iba. He gave us Eretz Yisrael. And then after Mechamet Sheshatayimim, he gave us the uh, Mokam Amigdush. He gave us Yerushalayim. Everybody agrees you have to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's only a halachic question whether you thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu by reciting those chapters until him or some other chapter until him. But you certainly have to you express your gratitude your appreciation to the Rabbani for the Matanah but if he gives you matana and you say no thank you I consider that a punishment so he's going to take it away if he gives you you've got to say thank you very much we appreciate it and we have to express our gratitude we have to express our gratitude every year so whether in your should they do say hal they don't say hal half hal 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 with uh, the with with, with, with with whatever it is but we have to all express our gratitude towards our Baruch we have to thank and we have a lot to thank our Baruch about some are afraid to raise this possibility they're afraid to pronounce it with their lips but the possibility flies through one's mind can one imagine the possibility of Medina Israel going under to have the whole Medina Khalilah destroyed that would mean they would kill out every Jew and so can one imagine such a possibility Happened before. There was a Churban by Shvishen. There was a Churban by Is it possible to imagine that the whole Medina will be destroyed, and then we'll have to establish the Medina all over again? We'll have to fulfill the three mitzvahs in the proper order, Lahamid, to establish a Jewish government, to wipe out Amalek, and to rebuild the base of Who says that this Hakomas Medina is the one that's going to be step number one, serving as the of the Gula? Maybe this Medina will go down we'll have to establish the Medina all over again. Maybe it'll take, who knows, another 2,000 years. Me or Dea, is it possible to imagine such a thing? So we usually assume that this is inconceivable, not because we hope that it's not going to happen. We hope that it's not going to happen also. We hope and pray it's not going to happen. But more than that, the Ramban tells us that if we read the Tanakh carefully, which we don't do, we never study Tanakh, but if we would read the Tanakh carefully, we would see that that's what it says in the prophecy of the Nevi'im. The Nevi'im say when the Jews will return to Eretz Israel after the present Golo's, that will be the final Golo's, and when the Medina of Israel will be established, it will not be reversible. It is possible to conceive, we saw already, that certain parts of the Medina will have to be surrendered to the Arabs. Look, they gave away Sinai, right or wrong? And they gave away areas now, al Islam. But the question is, is it conceivable that the whole Medina should be able to fold up? So the Ramban writes, both in his commentary on Chumash, as well as in his Sefer Habuullah, he has a small essay about this topic, he points out, explicit Sukim and the Nevi'im, that this is inconceivable. Once the Jewish people will return back to Esau and establish a Jewish government, so that will be irreversible. And he points out, that the uh, prophets have all promised us that there will only be two chabonis there will not be a third Kurbin and he has the famous comment that we know that there are two Techeches in the Chumlish, there's a in Muchukaisai, and then there's a second Techeche in Kisoboi. So the Ramban suggests that perhaps, based on the Sukim and Navi, which are more explicit, he suggests that maybe the two Techeches correspond to the two Goliaths, the Techeche and perhaps correspond to the shorter Golus, the Golus bubble, which was only for 70 years, and in the beginning they knew it's only going to be for 70 years, and the end is in sight. And that's the description of the It says, HaKadosh is going to punish the Jewish people, it'll be a terrible disaster, but then at the end they'll come back to Israel and everything will be okay. So it'll be wonderful. But then you have the long It goes on and on and on and no Nechom at the end. It says, it just ends off with a terrible uh, note, and no Nechom whatsoever. That seems to correspond to the second Golos which we refer to as the Golos Edom which is Langvidi Golos goes on and on and no, no end in sight we didn't say any end in sight and then the Ramban points out how does he know that this is that's one way that he knows that it's so because the Golos Bavel was a short Golos and after seven years they came back and the Golos Edom is so long and it sounds like it looks from the chumash that it's going to be endless no Nechom at the end he says there's another point the Toichechem v'hu koisa speaks of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. Hashemos says Mikdash The Toichechem Kisova never mentions the destruction of the Beis Amigdash. How come? The second Beis Mikdash was also destroyed. So the Ramban explains because the second Beis Amigdash, even when it was built, was a knapper Beis Amigdash. It was shvach. The prophet says. The prophet Haggai, Chagaz HaMalachim, were the three prophets who were instructed by Kodesh Baruch Hu to see to the Bnei Yisrael rebuild the Beis Hamikdash. So the prophet Chagai delivered a Nevoot to the Bnei Yisrael. They should build the Beis Hamikdash. This is my desire and I will feel honored by your building the Beis Hamikdash. the V'yikovdo. This is God's desire and he will feel honored. So that word, Ikovdo, is read when you read the after it's read the ekov but it's written without a hey, the ekov eight. So why do we read it the ekovda? Why don't we read it Vikov eight? No. It's to indicate that the second temple will be missing five things. It's hay to represent the idea, that's what the Talmud tells us. The Talmud and the midrashim that the second temple will be missing five major things. And the different versions in the different midrashim comes out it's missing fifteen things. Major things were missing in the second temple. So Amban says even when the second temple was standing it was a knappa base amikdush. And when the old timers saw, when they built the second temple, they were eighty years old, and they remembered the first temple. So they were crying. They said, This is a fake. This is ka-ayin. This is not a real base amikdush. This is an imitation base amikdush. How does this compare to the first base amikdush? They remembered what the first base amikdush was like, and they felt this was a fake. So the Ramban says that's why the second taicherah never mentions a word about the destruction of base amikdush, because there wasn't so much to destroy even before it was destroyed it was a Shrach of Beis and then the same Ramban says that the prophets have promised us and it seems to correspond to the two Techechas there will only be two Chorbonas there will not be a third Churban there will only be two Chorbonas of what? he's not talking about two Chorbonas of the Beis mikdash. the second Techecha doesn't say a word about the Beis HaMikdosh doesn't say uh, anything about the destruction of the mikdash. it only speaks about Churban HaMedina so the Ramban clearly understood in a that the Nevi'im. The Nevi'im are practically explicit like that, that there will never be a third Khurban Hamadina. Not only there will never be a third Khurban Mesham, there will not be a third Khurban Hamadina. So that's why the assumption is, if the Ramban has read the Psukim correctly, Ramban was uh, before the Zionists, before Herzl was born. Ramban was Orthodox. <laughs> He was not on a he was a big Zionist, he, he moved there, so he was an Orthodox Ramban. So the Ramban writes, according to his understanding of the Tanakh, according to his understanding of the two there will never be a third Khurban HaMedina. So in the early years, after 1948, the Medina, maybe this was an attempt at establishing a Medina. Luke Bakoch also thought that he established a Medina his government lasted for two, three years and then it collapsed. Uh, in the history books it doesn't go down as the government of Bar Kokhba. It goes down as the, as the attempted revolt of Bar Kokhba. He, att- he was minting coins again. He thought he was a big knacker. He's the melech over everything. So, no, it turned out he made a mistake. It was a, it was a revolt against the Roman government. But it's hard to imagine that another hundred years they're going to look back and say this was an attempt on at the part of the Jewish people to establish a government. What do you mean an attempt? There was a Jewish government in Yisrael. You can't say it was, it was a revolt against whom? What, what revolt? There is a Jewish government in Yisrael. If the government would have collapsed the first couple of years, so then you can say it's a glory Muslim affair, was always an AFL. But if it lasted so long, and they're always in the United Nations and always tumbling in, in the newspapers and everything. So obviously there is a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael. So that's what we consider. We consider this uh, Malchus Yisrael. We consider this an Aschalta Degula because we assume that this is irreversible. So that's why we celebrate and we express our gratitude towards our Kadosh Baruch Hu, not over, not only over the fact that he gave us Eretz Yisrael when we recite Berachas Hamazon over the pastrami sandwich we certainly thank HaKadosh Baruch for giving us the Holy Land of Eretz Yisrael absolutely but we have to thank HaKadosh Baruch over the major event of the HaKadosh Baruch we have to thank the Sham that he gave us this Medina we thank when the Medina was. Amatana Toivah at the time that it was established it saved many many lives and years after it kept on saving many lives all of the different Aliotra in the different countries if there wouldn't be a Jewish country Jewish government tonight, so there would be no country in the world who would want to take them and save their lives but for that purpose alone, for that reason alone, you can make a birthday party, you can make an anniversary party. But you can't have You can leave that tachnon fine, but you can't have all the Jews all over the world celebrate it as a, as a Yom pif with a religious flavor. That'll be an issue of a Baltaisiv. So in addition to a time for expressing gratitude towards Akhoshavu for saving all of these lives of the Jewish people, for giving us pride. And the fact that we are a nation, like all the nations of the world, we are celebrating more than that as well. We are celebrating things that do warrant a yonta. We are celebrating the fact that we're on our way towards building of the Beis Hamikdash. The real building of the Beis Hamikdash is the Mitzvah Minatari to celebrate. And when you do things in advance, in anticipation, the Aschal to the Guru is also called for celebration. Not obligated to, but if you'll celebrate, it will be a Kiyam mitzvah. We are also celebrating the fact that there was a new Kabbalah Satera after the establishment of the Medina there's much more terror going on all over in the world. There it's Israel and South America was dead torah wise and America was also practically dead. There was very little terror going on in the early years before uh, before the Medina. And now Baruch Hashem Torah has flourished all over the world and maintaining Jewish identity. This is Mamish Kabolos HaTerror, Kabolos HaMitzvahs all over the world. We are celebrating another Shavuos. So we should celebrate this year and many and many more years to come. Thank you.